For someone whose entire career has been focused on joy, why a podcast on pain? Because these stories need to be told. A good phoenix rising out of the ashes story reminds us all that not only can we survive, we can thrive. And when we emerge, we're different. That's the alchemy of pain. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Alchemy of Pain. This podcast was started because none of us get out of this life escaping challenges or painful situations. But what I've learned is it's what you do with them. They can either make you bitter or better. You can shut down or press forward. And my initial guests have all been people that have inspired me at one point or another in my life. And I remember meeting Kevin Connor almost 10 years ago when we were both members of the mainline Chamber of Commerce's foundation, which is the philanthropic arm. And someone around my age, someone who is was in the business of branding and a, an excellent communicator, when Kevin walked into the room, everybody wanted to listen to him and I wanted to be his friend. And then I found out that he had went through a health challenge, which was kind of surprising for someone our age. Since that time, it's been a decade, he has had such entrepreneurial success and has given back to his communities in so many ways. And so I just had to have my friend Kevin Connor here. Kevin, so nice to see you. Brenda, I love that introduction. Thanks for sharing. Well, what's so great is when the rug came out from under me in my life and I had to rebuild my life. There was a short list of people I wanted to reach out to. And even though I hadn't talked to you in almost a decade, you were on that list because you always had a listening ear and a kind word. And so I just really appreciate that about you. Tell people what you do today. Uh, well, thanks. I'm going to jump in for a sec because I'll also echo that. When you reached out, yours is a name that I remembered. And although we haven't talked, it, I remember the energy, the spirit, and the enthusiasm you carried with you and said, you know what? If Brenda Viola is calling me, I'm at least checking out to find out what's going on here. So, um, so your question, what do we do? Is that, is that what it was? Yeah, yes. Modern SBC. Sure. I see so, that in your great. title, but what is Modern SBC? So we're corporate storytellers. We help people express who they are, what they do, and why they do it. And we do that mostly through graphic solutions. We help people communicate better. It could be their website. could be a trade show booth. could be brochure, direct mail piece, promotional product, apparel, everything that we help shape your brand in the way that you want your clients and your employees to see it. What I found, because I got to work with you professionally too, in another position that I had in another life. Different administration, right. What you draw the stories out. You know, I think a lot of companies don't know where to begin or they think they know their story. Mm -hmm. But I recall vividly you listening and asking questions so that we could really synthesize what the messaging should be and then the visuals to back it up. So mm -hmm. listening is a really important part of what you do. 
Uh, you know what? You're you're looking at one of the worst finance majors that Temple University ever got out. I was in the wrong um, field for about three and a half years. Took my first marketing class, second half of my senior year. I knew I wanted to get out, but I really liked communications. I wasn't liking finance so much, but what a great place to learn at the time. So I got into it, and I've always been fascinated with how people communicate, whether it's drawings on a wall, films, books. How do people express to one another their ideas? And it's an ongoing challenge for me as well. I'm trying to work on your game and to get better as much as I can. That's part of the fun for me. Although what you said, people often say that one of the greatest fears people have is um, speaking to an audience. I would say right up there, if not um, above that, is give people a blank sheet of paper and tell me about yourself. Tell me about your company. And it's a difficult topic to do because we, you know, many of us are hum not humble, but we're, we're at least humble enough. We have humility. We're not there to brag about ourselves, right? But trying to put it into a voice that your customers care, that the search engines care about, right? If I'm working with Brenda, I don't care. I don't care what Brenda thinks. I care who are the people that are looking for Brenda. I want to know what they're thinking, right? So you're trying to you're trying to calibrate your story with an online presence and make sure that you're 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 findable, right? People can search you and get you, and they can read about you and say, you know what? I'm going to call them back. If I'm going to look, or they're just going to click and go away. They may, you know, may not be for everybody, so. You know, I'm actually sitting here thinking, maybe I need to hire you again. There's <laughs> um, plenty you know, of good to I'm, talk about. And um, exactly, we, we we'll find out where you're going. We'll talk about that offline. We'll talk about that differently. But you, know, uh, you are, before we get into your personal story, you are part of a group called Entrepreneurs Organization. You are a very vibrant, active entrepreneur and Every entrepreneur I've ever talked to has gone through some dark times. And this is a podcast about mm -hmm. going through dark times. Great. Good so for you. What are some of the challenges faced by entrepreneurs? Um, one, of the, one of the ones that I faced was um, I, don't, I didn't look at myself as an entrepreneur. I looked at myself more as a desperate entrepreneur. And the reason why, because I worked at a company and I had just moved into a new house. And six weeks later, I had a wife and three kids at home. My wife is not working. Six weeks later, I was a sales rep for a company. The owner comes in after right after Christmas. We moved in middle of November. He comes in after Christmas. I'm, I'm going to sell the company. And I was like, holy sugar, right? It wasn't, I said more than that, if you can imagine. But you get to a point where my job, it wasn't uncommon in our industry for people to be sold and just be absorbed by somebody and get rid of the extra fat. So I said, oof. I was then, you know, he said, why don't you go meet your new boss? And I was like, you already have some buyer. I was like, wow, you got this all down. So maybe one of those feelings, I went and met with a new buyer. And I remember coming back and, and you know where I was driving on the Google with the expressway bias. And I was like, man, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I think I might be able to do what that guy's going to do. So I talked to the guy. I said, would you be open to me buying the company? And he's like, yeah. So, and that's why I say desperate. Like I was just, I didn't really intend to be an entrepreneur, but Looking back, it was kind of funny. Like there had been jobs. I've been working since I was 11 years old, right? So you just kind of do stuff. And you think about shoveling driveways, mowing lawns, driving cars, working in restaurants. Like it was always hustling. Like I just liked having money. So maybe it was there all along. I don't know. <laughs> you just kind of yeah, figured it out. probably is there all along. I mean, I think similarly, the evolution from having a full-time position to being Vici Communications really was out of kind of feeling like you got yeah kicked a yeah. bit out of the nest yeah. by circumstances yeah. I might never have I would have never chosen and yet 
it probably was there all along. And maybe you just wanted a new adventure, right? Maybe just well, like, you know, what else can I do? Feel, it makes you feel alive to mm-hmm. have a brand new adventure. Mm-hmm. And having been, my audience knows, I had been through a series of losses. And I think I really and truly needed to feel alive as Brenda Viola again in a new way. So that's an excellent point, Kevin. Yeah. 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 So re- when I met you, we were in a room and we were the board of the Mainline Chamber Foundation. And you, I remember hearing, and it wasn't talked about openly, but you had just had a health challenge. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. this guy's my age. We don't have health challenges at this age. Uh, and I'm sure that you probably thought the same thing. Um, yeah, pretty much. Um, I was 49 years old and I had a, um, um, I went, uh, I would go, um, the YMCA was there every morning and usually early in the morning at five o'clock. So I went Monday at five o'clock. It was a Friday morning, November 15th. And I went there and got, and I, um, I just felt really a little bit funny. Like the, the Y was four miles drive from me. So it took me five or 10 minutes to get there. I'm like, yeah, maybe I'm just a little tired this morning. And I went in there and I was riding a bike to slowly stop. And this girl, this, my gym wife next to me, her name was Nina. And she's there. We, we talked to everybody. I have no idea. I didn't know what her last name was at the time. And she just looked down at me. She's like, Kevin, you look like shit. Get off that bike. And I was like, what? She said, no, you really look funny. Just go sit down. I was like, all right. So I went and sat down. And they, you know, the, the, um, the fitness trainer there came over and took me and said, you know what? You're not looking good. I'm calling the EMTs. And they came and I was having a stroke. So fortunate for me, there was a lot of people. It was, it was a two-week excursion and about learning and about myself. But I was, I was fortunate. Many people... I was better than many people. I'll say it that way. You know, many people have to do what I went through, what I went through, and turn out a lot worse. I was very fortunate. So that was just my story. Of all the places for you to be, you were in a gym surrounded by people that knew how to respond. Um, I got taken up on a gurney. (laughs) How many people that happened to it? It happens to more people than I thought. I thought I was alone, but now I said this happens occasionally. Like, wow. So, and you you had no indication prior that there was any health. No, no no family no family situation nothing like that in our family right it just kind of i had um a little hemorrhage in the back of my head and it just it was like a hiccup but it was enough to cause trigger these things so um you know it, it, it was um it was a friday morning i got taken to the hospital and my wife got called and, and late friday night when he, he, i was kind of stabilized she thought okay maybe it's not so bad and just remember these. I just remember this words. And one of the doctors said, "Oh, when you come back tomorrow, can you bring a copy of his will?" And she was like, "Okay." Well, in other words, just yet, right? So, um, and I say that not to impress you, but to impress upon people. Like that's even though you um, anything can happen, right? So, and yes, well aware that anything can happen, and in this, clearly. And thankfully, you made it out through the other side. Mm -hmm. But aside from the physical shock of having a stroke at age 49, mentally, what what was the after effect? It's an ongoing point of contention between my wife. I'm going to share a story that I don't mean, again, it's not meant to impress it's meant to impress upon you how the mind can respond. So I was in here and Brenda, I was in, I was in the hospital for 12 days and 
how do I say this? I was just, it never, I mean, not once, I say not once, not once did it ever enter my mind that I wasn't leaving there. I don't know why. I'm under there. I'm in these intensive care units all around. I have no idea why I didn't think that I'd be taken out of there somehow. I was, it, to me, it was an inconvenience. I know that may sound kind of cocky, but that was not the way it was intended. I was just, I, I've been accused of being an impatient person. And I really just wanted to get back to my life. And, you know, I'm working. I had stuff to do and clients to take care of. And, but, but fortunate for me, I had, I'm a business partner with my sister. So we had staff at the office that could pick up and run. But um, I was able to talk uh, a little bit about what was going on and, and help them relay the story. Uh, take care. Hey, make sure this is taken care of. Make sure this customer is taken care of. So, again, I was very fortunate. That was my situation. You were in the hospital for 12 days and mm-hmm. at no point did you even entertain the thought that you weren't getting out of there i wonder if that's no just idea why life, your life force um, was like not my time i didn't even like it i don't think i was smart enough to know what i was going through exactly like i heard i had a stroke and my wife was talking and they were moving me around i'm just like all right we'll go here and i get this cardiologist and neurologist and i'm just like I, like in my head i was just like all right let's make it back to what i was doing not giving it enough thought. And that was one of the things that probably hurt my wife in that she she was just like, you're not taking this serious enough. Like, I just want to get back to work. And I was I was impatient. I was impatient. That is not an uncommon trait. My wife says that it got accelerated through what I went through. She said, you're just, you have a quicker temper and you're more impatient. But I don't think it's like, um, I don't attribute it to being, um, I went through this, so I'm not really sure how long I have, so I make sure I get all this stuff done. It's just, um, I I find that I'm less tolerant with, um, how do I say this, with, with ignorant or depressing or um, people that aren't optimistic, pessimistic people. I just don't necessarily want to be around them. Um, I don't, maybe we all feel that way, but maybe I feel that way more now, so... Well, I think that when you have a close encounter with a scary situation, you want to protect what you let in for sure. I know mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. I've had enough sadness. I really don't want to surround myself with anything that's going to yeah. bring me further down. I don't need more. I get enough. <laughs> My book is pretty full. So That's why I don't watch scary movies, Kevin, because life is scary enough. You know, I don't need drama. That's a good I, line. Good for you. Yeah. Let's reduce the drama. Absolutely. Okay. Do you think that maybe you were a little bit in la la land about not really getting the impact of this? Clearly, your wife. Okay? Yeah. And I feel for um, her. That's a good point I hadn't thought about. Huh? Was I in la la land? I, what I remember, I mean, this is going back a few years, 10 years ago. I remember thinking, I don't ever remember feeling I was in la la land. I'll say it that way. But I think my outlook was just, Maybe it was little, um, um, what's the rose-colored glasses? Like, I was just thinking, like, well, doesn't everybody, no, not everybody does that way. As a matter of fact, Mr. Connor, what you had is called a widowmaker. That's what it was called. But I didn't really think about it. I was fortunate, right? So these are things my wife told me later on. That's what was going on behind the scenes. So, so it wasn't really, it was this buoyancy that you're oh, great word. Yeah, yeah. I th- you know what? Then you ask, you think about what did I learn about myself from that event? That's probably one of the, the, the phrases that I have leaned on. 
I think I do have a, a natural buoyancy and optimism. I'm not sure where it came from. My mother was that way. My father was pretty much that way. We grew up in a SEALs environment. We had, I was one of seven kids. That was, I'm just, you know, I was the fat little kid that everything my mother cooked, I liked to eat. I was like, mom, what's for dinner? Everybody else would be like, oh no, not that again. I'm like, oh my God, I love that. Everything she said, I love, right? She must have said so easy because I just, everything was pretty good. There's a lot of worse off people than me. There's a lot of worse off people than me, you know, I was pretty fortunate. So. so I think maybe that's why when I met you, and I would have never known that you had been through a serious health challenge because your demeanor and your whole aura was very positive. Yeah. So would you say that the event changed you or fine-tuned you in any way? Ooh, fine-tuned. That's a good phrase I had not thought about. Um, I'm always looking for the extremes, but fine-tuned is probably a... You go home and tell people tonight that people were taking notes when you were talking because I thought that's a pretty good term right there. Fine tune. I'm going to write that one down to think about it. So, and thank you for that. That's pretty cool. Um, also, I'll go with that. Um, I'd like to think so, but we're all look. We're all we're all evolving, right? So you're always just kind of chipping away at your marble and figuring out who you are and shaping yourself. So, um, that was probably a step for me. And I, and I I don't typically I don't lead with that. Like we we've, we've had this conversation, so I knew what to expect, but. Most people I meet, I wouldn't tell that. And it's not because I don't care. It's just everybody's dealing with something, right? That that happened to be mine. That was under the skin. You wouldn't see it. Probably wouldn't know it if you didn't know me. So I'm here well, today. So here's the deal. The reason I'm doing this podcast is because there are so many people out there facing so many different things. I've interviewed a, a young man who just had his leg amputated and a woman whose husband was deployed in a combat zone. Another young man who deals with gripping anxiety, although you would never know it because he's a performance coach. Wow. My own story of loss and loss and loss. And, you know, it's not about honoring or building an altar to the pain but for the person watching to say wow wow this guy this dude went through that and it didn't stop him yeah. it wasn't the end of the story the whole point is to encourage people yeah you would never lead with this because you're not a victim of what happened but because it's part of your story and because you're such a vibrant, positive, buoyant person, that's sort of why I wanted to interview you. Mm -hmm. So you never once gave yourself the space to be feel sorry for yourself. Um, not, not about that. Look, I, we've all, I look at it, but we're all on the path. And we all, you know, we all have this exact path and some people come on the path in different places than others. So, and I didn't start at the beginning either. So I've had my, your doubts when you're wondering your insecurities we've all worked through them but as i get older i just kind of keep moving forward and they just get up dust off and say you know what i don't know okay i learned this lesson here we go i keep a, I keep several volumes of of journals and just like lessons i've learned right just i've already down i've been doing that for many years 30 some years somebody told me early on somebody i've listened to early on there was a guy named earl nightingale which many of your um Maybe you've heard of him. And I was just always amazed with his story. I found he got he sent me a cassette tape in 1987 and a cassette tape like direct mail. I'm like, what the hell is this? I listened to it. I had a long ride to work. I didn't work out in Broomall from where I was living. And I drove and I'm like, oh my God. I was like a university on wheels, my car. Like I just I just became a junkie. I'd like listen to this stuff. I'm like, 
like I've had 16 years of education. I don't ever remember hearing any of this stuff. Like this is like, it wasn't book learning. It was just about attitude and outlook and working with people. And it's just like, man, this is, I was just hungry for this stuff, you know? So who knew? Do you think that infusing your life with the curiosity to learn and grow is actually what helped you face probably, and I'm sure we're only talking about this one health challenge, yeah. but you've probably faced a series of challenges in yeah. your life, almost like you were in training for life yeah, with Nightingale and some of your other yeah. you know, book of things that you've learned. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good insight. And uh, so, as you mentioned before, we worked at the mainline chamber of commerce and there was a person there. And I remember his name was Bob. Uh, I can't remember the guy's last name, but I always remember he had a very successful engineering company, did very well for himself. And he just, he said, yeah, talking to people, he said, I just learned to watch people and don't listen to people so much anymore. And people could say a lot of things, but what are they doing? And I've always in the back of my head kind of watch that and said, mm, that's one of those life lessons I'm writing down. And you, know, you got this big book of knowledge by the time you're my age and you're just going to say, hmm, what are we doing? So that did help to shape and form. That's a very good insight in that um, curiosity is probably the one word I, I fall back on most often. And I'm, I've been told I'm good at asking questions, just talking to people. And you're like, you're, you're asking terrific questions, right? So I like being around people like this. It forced me to think about things. And I'm like, hmm, I never thought about that one. But curiosity is pretty, it's a pretty good, um, it's a pretty good compass. It's been a good compass for me, right? So just kind of leave with questions. You have, you have a remarkable gift for making people feel seen and heard. So it's really kind of fun to turn the tables on you, my friend. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things that you always say, and you always, every conversation I've ever had with you, not to impress you, but to impress upon you when you're making a point. Where did that come from? I can tell you exactly where that came from. Uh, Roger Cosavera was his name, and I belonged to a Toastmasters group in 1996. And he used that phrase. I know exactly where it was when I heard it. And I said, man, I wrote that down. I thought that was great. Because how many times, probably like you and your listeners, we felt that way. Like, I'm not saying this to brag. I'm just telling you, I want you to, I want to, I want you to hear it. Make sure you hear, because I thought it was pretty important, right? So it was important in my story, and I think maybe it can help you. But to your, to your, you mentioned before, somebody else gave me another phrase. They said, um, show them the scar, not the wound. And I thought, I was like, hmm, I had to kind of take that one away here. Like, I'm not going to talk to you about what happened, but I'll tell you, hey, I wear this. Here's what happened. And give you the score. Here's how I came out of it, right? I thought that was pretty good language. So I think you can apply to everybody. And so. it's actually a great sort of byline for this entire series and certainly the perfect title for this interview. Feel free to use it. Go for it. I'm gonna. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I'll credit yeah. you though. So <laughs> Kevin, did you have to make modifications to your lifestyle? Um great question that I think that I um, look, I'm, I'm 59 years old and I don't need less reasons to sweat. I don't need to sweat less. So I'm looking for more movement. I'm trying to get more, uh, more action in my life. Um, doing things, moving. I, I did a sedentary life by my job pretty much. So I'd love to move around a lot. It could be as simple as standing at your desk. You know, there's somebody in my office now, she has a stand up desk. There's two people. So I'm just like, all right, I got to do that now. Right. So you just, I've heard about them, but here they are doing them. So I feel better that way. I, I like going for one of the things maybe like a lot of other people during COVID. Now a lot of us go for walks. Instead of going for a coffee, we'll go for a walk. 
great. What a great idea, right? Just movement inspires um, energy and emotion, I find, kind of uh, come out pretty good. They do for me. I'll say it that way. Yes, uh, and it's good for your mental health, too. I just incorporated some new components to my routine because, you know, just turned 60 and I want to be here for the long haul. Yeah. I want to do whatever I need to do so that I can be, I have this vision of me visiting Italy when I'm 80, I'm going to visit before then, but when I'm 80 years old, I can walk through the cobblestone streets of Sorrento in Italy and I can do it well, not yeah. hobbling around. That's what I, I want to be strong for the future. Yeah. Before, you know, I know we have just a, a few more minutes left, but I, I want to just say if someone's watching and they have been through a health crisis, what advice would you give them? And also, if a spouse, what would, what advice would you give a spouse of someone who has had a health crisis? Two different questions. Okay. Um, one of the things I worked hard on, Brenda, was getting back to normal, although it really may have been creating a new normal. Like I want to retain as much of the things that I'd like that I'm still able to do as I can. You know, I had to take six weeks off from driving. I wasn't allowed to drive for six weeks. So you're being, it's very humbling when somebody else is responsible for your mobility, right? Um, and that can all like personal care. Like I was able to take a shower and take care of everything else by myself. Again, very fortunate, but not everybody has that luxury. And you just have a new appreciation for different people's stories and say, you know what? Maybe I can be a little bit more compassionate and empathetic in how I respond to that. And and you, you I'm sure you've heard it and your listeners have heard it before. You know, a lot of people are dealing with quiet issues that might be under the table. You might not see them, right? Like like you said, like you wouldn't know me if I if I didn't tell you that stroke. Yeah, you wouldn't know. Again, I was very fortunate. Not everybody's that way. So, um, and spouses, ooh, boy, that's a that's can be a challenging one. Um, different outlooks on what can happen. And you know, I told my kids, I had three kids as well. I said, look, I can go through the rest of my life looking over my shoulder, and I'm not going to do this, not going to do that. I choose not to do that, pretty much. Yeah, I'm just going to have. I don't want to live like that. And it may not be the best for me all time, but that's the way I'm doing it. And again, I'm pretty fortunate. Not that I'm stupid to make reckless things. You know, I'm not doing evil cable stuff. I never did that before. So I'm certainly not doing it now. But you know the type of things, right? You're just kind of, okay, I can handle that. And and yeah. you're the best. Nobody knows you better than you. And to talk to your spouse that way and say, look, here's my outlook on life. Here's the things I want to do. And I'm going to work towards this. And, you know, you're some, it's, I'm in the fishbowl. You're outside the fishbowl looking at me. Although the people on the outside, they have different um, viewpoints, right? So you might have to calibrate what you're learning from them, taking in, and trying to make work for all of you. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's kind of what I got. No, it's, it's good. It, and it's food for thought, too. I, I yeah. think about having been on the side of being a spouse and not wanting to nag my partner to go to the doctor. And yet, how I wish that I had taking the bull by the horns like those people at the gym did yeah I mean, sometimes you know what um right and, uh, and that's a fine calibration line how far are you gonna go and uh, you know somebody else said to me sometime i'll um he, to his spouse he said i'll take care of me for you if you take care of you for me now that it can sound a little bit too interdependent right but it's okay to be somewhere maybe in the middle 
I get that, but I'm not one. I don't like to be taken care of. I'm sick. I just like to do stuff myself, and I don't see that to brag. It's just where I'm at. I don't. Nor do I want to take care of somebody else, right? I'm not, I'm not a good provider. I don't think I'd be a good nurse, or certainly not a good hospice person. I'd just be. That's just not me. I wouldn't have the patience. Daycare center, not doing that. Love kids, don't want to work on them, right? So. I love that you know who you are. And I'm learning, just like everybody else. I'm not sure I'm completely there, but I've got enough going on. So I got enough to work on. I got stuff to work on, Brenda. <laughs> well, in my estimation, again, one of you're just a true friend. Like you genuinely care about people. You care about doing good in this world. You care about doing good work too. You're a joy to work with. And I just think for anybody watching, you know, look, we're not here to to make people afraid. No, we want to empower people to live, but listen to your body. Man. If something feels a little off, there's nothing, there's no shame in getting it checked out because you want to be here. For... Think about the people you want to populate your orbit with, right? You get to curate your orbit. You're on the West Coast, I'm on the East Coast. 10 years go by, we haven't talked, right? Pretty much coming back together. We got to see each other once or twice. So it's just kind of um, you know, certain people you want to move on or, and people you want to have in your, you wonder what's going on over there, right? So you just kind of check them out and keep them in. And how easy is it now? Of course, you got email, you got Zoom, you got LinkedIn. You just, it's easy to find out what's going on, right? Yeah. But being able to call them, pick up the phone and say, hey, I just, and I'm having, I need some of your juice. Give me some of your Jamba juice there. You got, and when you hear your <laughs> voice, right? So. And my friend, Kevin Connor has Jamba juice in spades when it comes to positive. <laughs> Any final words that you, like if this is a big chance for just someone who's listening and they just stumbled across this podcast and maybe they have nothing to do with having a health challenge or this and that, but maybe they're an entrepreneur. Maybe they're, what would you say? What would um, you just, someone listening that I love to my kids I get I get yelled at for just talking I talk to anybody and everybody just practice it's a big sandbox out there get out there shake a hand find out what people are going through maybe you can help them maybe you're kind of yeah you're you've got a list of contacts that maybe you never know what conversation can change your life right so just go for that and don't be afraid of it it's good practice we're connecting that's all we just want to connect so that's my that's my advice it's a big sandbox out there. And I am really glad that I get to be in a sandbox with someone like you. Thanks for your time today, Kevin. We get to play in the sandbox together. We're both uh, having fun, right? Meeting people yes. and helping the world. So keeping it, we, yes. got, we got work to do. We got too much stuff to do. All right. And speaking so. of work, how can people find you if they want to work with you and Modern SBC? Ooh, good question. So uh, www.modernsbcsandboycharlie.com. Um, it stands for strategic branding and communications. Um, maybe one of the worst um, effects I ever did was choose those words with all those syllables, but that's it. Uh, K Connor, C N O R at modernsbc.com will get you back to me. And I'd love to hear people's stories. I like to help them express who they are and uh, what their company's doing. That's the fun part for us. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, thank you for sharing your story. And thank you for tuning into this edition of the Alchemy of Pain podcast. If you know someone who has been through some stuff, and don't we all, but they've made it through, how did they, what were the tools they used? How were they changed forever or fine-tuned? Please contact me. I'd love to interview them. I hope you have a wonderful day, everyone. Thanks. Thanks, Brenda.